0: present frequencies amateur radio podcast my name is richard jb5 jbv and i am your host uh thank you all for downloading this again and uh just a few things before we get started uh due to my work situation and some health issues that are going on with some of my family members i wasn't able to spend the time to get a proper show for y'all this time so you're looking forward to one of those best ofs. I know y'all uh, probably don't care for them, but uh, it's the best I can do at this time. I do promise to have y'all a uh, fresh, shiny new uh, uh, episode uh, next time around with uh, new information, stuff you haven't heard before. But what we've got up this time around is we have uh, dipole antenna one, dipole antenna two, and stealth antennas from uh some of the earlier episodes so y'all hang in for that we're not going to do any feedback this time around because uh like i said time is an issue and uh but we will get to it next time uh something else we're not going to ride the uh, we're not going to ride the donation train i'm going to say two things about that which is we haven't received one in about three months And uh, the other, that that does not include the folks that are shopping over at Amazon and uh, helping us out that way. In fact, the guys over at Amazon have pushed us up past $10 again. So we've uh, received another gift certificate for that that we can apply to uh, equipment and such for the podcast. Okay, we uh, went down to Belton. And I'll have you all some of that stuff on the next episode. But uh, as it stands right now, we're going to go ahead and uh, and cut this one off short. We're going to jump right on in to uh, Dipole Antennas Part 1. So, y'all hang with us.
1: I'll never be you beast of burden. You know my back is broad, but it's hurting. All I want is for you to make a little love to me, yeah. I'll never be your beast of burden. You know I walk for miles. My feet are hurt. All I want is for you to make a little love to me.
0: Talk about uh, dipole antennas. Uh, we uh, forget from time to time that resonant frequency. The amateur radio podcast is primarily in the business of conveying information, not only to the amateur radio community at large, but uh, more specifically to those that are are new to some things or uh, might be considering checking out other aspects of the hobby that they haven't really checked out before. And what brought Dipole Antennas to mind is the fact that I heard a statistic not too long ago, and it may or may not be uh, uh, skewed a little bit, that one out of 20 uh, amateur radio licensees, people that actually go get their entry-level license, actually gets on the air. That's one out of 19. And that means, or one out of 20. That means the other 19 never get on the air and probably go the 10 years of their license and never even key up a radio. And that's pretty sad. And now that we have all these new generals out there and uh, even the new uh, amateurs that have taken advantage of it. And there may all be uh, maybe a few of y'all out there that are chomping at the bit to get on HF. Now, getting on HF, uh, that right there is something that can cause enough frustration and aggravation that uh, not only will y'all never even key up a an HF radio, you may just throw your hands in the air and give up the whole thing. But Don't do that. (laughs) In fact, uh, uh, I can guarantee you it's not as hard as you might think. So let's talk for a few minutes about the dipole antenna. You know, uh, the aggravation that goes along with getting on HF has to do with, uh, you know, most people want to go out and buy a $1,000 radio four or five hundred dollars worth of tower a three hundred dollar or more HF antenna a rotor if it's a beam and they listen to some of that propaganda out there that says you have to have feed line for HF that has zero dB of loss on 10 gigahertz and that's not the case in fact, uh, you know some of the feed lines that folks say are really crappy work pretty doggone well on HF. And considering that the vast majority of HF operators have never owned or ever will be able to own an amplifier, means that there's a whole other world of possibilities out there. So, let's dig into this just for a moment because the dipole is the simplest tool to have in your arsenal. Chances are, if you've been on the air for any length of time, you have most of what it takes to build one. And in fact, some of the things it would take to build one is pro- are probably laying around your radio room. Now... Let's talk about wire a minute um you know there are different schools of thought, softer wire, stiffer wire uh single conductor multi conductor, stranded wire uh that kind of stuff uh I've used all of the above in at one time or another uh I prefer to use stranded because it'll give you a little more uh, a little more capacity due to skin effect than um, a single conductor would but anyway I'm straying off the path Um, let me say something about balance before we get going too Um, some people will tell you that it's impossible to have a dipole antenna without a balance that has not been my experience so let's, let's start at the beginning Look around your radio room and find yourself a PL two hundred fifty nine connector. Even better, find yourself a piece a PL two fifty nine connector that has some coaxial cable attached to it. The length is not really important at this point in the discussion. So now you have that PL two fifty nine, a piece of coax, and now you need some elements. So look around see what you've got. Now, we were talking about wire a while ago. And stranded, solid, whatever you want to use. Uh, I had a 40 meter dipole that I had in the air at one time. Which was made out of lamp cord. Uh, zip cord, that, brown zip cord. You can buy it down at the hardware store. Uh, I originally made it as an emergency deployment antenna. Something I could take with me at race ease drills and that kind of thing. And when I moved into the house that I was, am in now, I had been off the air for some time and wanted to get something up in the air so I could get back on HF. Well, I put that 40-meter uh, lamp cord antenna up, uh, got, got it stretched out, and plugged in and started working the 40 meter uh, national traffic system and Aries Nets here in Texas. And at the time I was moving an awful lot of traffic on HF and from time to time the net controls on the uh, actual NTS net here in Texas Would accuse me of running an amplifier. Well, except on uh, VHF and uh, higher, I have never used an amplifier. I have one sitting here in the shack. I've just never gotten around to plugging it up to a radio. They would accuse me of running an amplifier on my 40 meter zip cord antenna. And I don't remember what gauge wire zip cord is I think it's 22 gauge or, or 24 gauge somewhere and it had no problem handling the 100 watts and it was resonant across the voice portion of the 40 meter band so where dipoles everybody tries to make a mystery out of them they're not that difficult in a perfect world you would have a uh, number 10 or number 12 wire, and I'll say something about wire diameter in a minute. You would have number 10, number 12, at the very least number 14 gauge wire. You would have uh, a piece of ladder line or twin lead running from the dipole to almost where your radio was. Then there would be a ballon. Then there would be a short piece of coax. And then it would plug into your tuner or the back of your radio. The legs would be properly positioned between 120 and 60 degrees. And it would be a full quarter wavelength above the ground. Natural, actual ground, not... uh, above the surface of the earth which is is different in some places but it's not a perfect world and if you really want to get on the radio then sometimes you have to make a few compromises a lot of folks run dipole antennas in their attic uh, nowadays with tenants association or neighborhood associations and covenants and uh, deed restrictions and all that other good crap, which I would never let anybody tell me what I can do on my property. Um, a lot of folks have to run in, put an antenna in an attic, and a dipole is really good for that. So, you got your piece of coax, you got your wire, um, and everything else. Say you found yourself... Uh, you found yourself some number 18 or number 14 speaker wire that you had hit off someplace. So now you got to make that antenna. Alrighty, well you attach the connector to the coax. And at this point you have to get the size of your elements. So, what we're going to do about getting the size of the elements is there's a simple formula you probably learned when you were studying for your technician exam, 468 divided by the frequency in megahertz will give you the length of your, of your wire for a half-wave dipole in feet. Uh, guys overseas, uh, you guys in England, Ireland, uh, Portugal, Africa, unfortunately I'm not up on the metric system, therefore... Um, uh, I really couldn't tell you what it is in meters. I really, <laughs> I really got, kind of got in a hurry in putting this, uh, this information together. And, uh, I will have to dig in and get you all that information at a future date. Anyway, so <clears throat> 468 divided by the frequency in megahertz equals the length of the element in feet. Okay. Now, you get your soldering iron out, you get it heating up. Uh, Get it tin, get it ready to go. And at this point, take that piece of wire that you've cut to the length that you got by using the formula to figure the length. Cut it right in the middle. Now what you have are two quarter length quarter wavelength pieces of wire for the frequency you're going to operate on. Okay. Take one section of that wire and strip it back a little bit and then solder it to the braid on that coax. Once you've soldered that piece to the braid on the coax and you've let it cool off so you do not singe a digit, take the other piece, strip it back, and solder it to the conductor. Now, what you might want to do in the process is find something to attach this feed point to. Uh, I myself have used everything from ceramic insulators to wire ties to popsicle sticks wrapped in electrical tape. The amateur radio operator is inventive and he works with what he's got. So... What you have here is your dipole antenna. Pretty easy from this point on to take it and string it up. But you have to decide how you're going to hang this antenna. Very few people have the room or the structures to put up a flat, horizontal dipole antenna. Okay? On 10 meters, you're talking about six, six about 16 feet above the ground. No. Yeah, I guess that's about right. And then 20 meters, you're talking somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 feet. I know on 40 meters, you're talking 35 feet for sure. And so on. That's a quarter wave above the ground. That's where your dipole is going to be most efficient, work most efficiently. However, we've left some steps out in building this dipole, which will work and can be resonant. So, a perfect world has gone out the window. Now, <clears throat> the solution to the space problem, in most cases, is an in- inverted V. Now, the inverted V. is just a dipole antenna, which is hung in a V with the corner, the intersecting corner of the V up instead of down. Now, in a perfect world, you would want to get the angle up in the, where the feed point is from 60 to 120 degrees, okay? Okay. Uh, do whatever you can if it's a little flatter or a little closer together. Well, if it's a little closer together than 60 degrees, you, you probably don't want to you probably want to re-examine that. Okay. Now, if you decide to hang it in an inverted V, the original formula has to be tweaked a little bit once you have found the length of the antenna then you have to make it a little bit physically a little bit shorter now people vary on how much shorter it needs to be the length comes out to be anywhere from three percent to five percent shorter I always figure mine at five and it's always worked for me Of course my installations a lot of times are not exactly optimal however it has always worked for me now you may be asking yourself why this specific angle well it kinda comes down to a dipole antenna A dipole antenna hung hung flat at a quarter wave above the ground uh, roughly shows as a 73-ohm antenna. Now, if you were to take that dipole and bend it at a 90-degree angle, 90 degrees, then it would probably show up as 36-ohms. Now these ground planes you've seen for uh, 11 meters they present that kind of that they present that kind of impedance now one of the ways we get around this and you see it in a in a ground plane antenna is they will droop the radials well when the radials are drooping 45 degrees then you're talking about uh, basically the angle you need to have on the Uh, dipole antenna to get the impedance in the right area. However, if you have to hang it in either of those positions, an L-shape or a flat top dipole, it will work. Alright, so we've gone over the length. We've gone over uh, the ways you probably need to hang it. Let me talk about height above ground for a moment. Height above ground is uh, can be important depending on what you want to use that antenna for. Now, when I got licensed, we were told that it was very, 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 very bad amateur radio practice to have a dipole or inverted V With their feed point less than a quarter of a wavelength above the ground. Which is all fine and lovely. But if you have a 75 meter dipole. That means you need to have it. uh, I believe it's 60 feet in the air. Not practical for most installations. I myself have had. 40 meter antennas at 30 feet, which is a little bit short of a quarter wavelength, and they have worked absolutely fine. I, fine. I have worked uh, DX on them in, into Europe, uh, Northern Europe, down into Africa, a uh, couple of East stations, back the other direction, uh, into Japan and Australia. Perfectly wonderful. Now, my 75-meter dipole that I had in there at one time, I worked Croatia and Japan and Australia, you know, pretty much the same places. However, it was only 30 feet off the ground. And it took advantage of what uh, folks are calling nowadays near vertical incident sky wave or NVIS. Back when I got licensed, we called them cloud warmers because the closer that antenna is to the ground, the uh, closer it is to the ground, below a quarter wavelength, the higher the radiation angle is, therefore, you tend to pick up stations closer in very well. So on 75 meters, I had no problem talking the five or 600 miles into the state EOC in Austin, Texas. I'm in Dallas, the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and had no problem talking into uh, the EOC in Austin, talking to guys in Houston, uh, that, uh, the guys in Arkansas and uh, Oklahoma without any real problems at all. But, once again, I was also able to work DX on that antenna. Uh, You know, so... uh, What I'm getting at at this point is the fact that it doesn't have to be perfect, guys. It really doesn't. At this time, I'm running a G5 RV. Less than perfect, I know. However, it does have the advantage of being able to use one antenna... Or whatever band I need to use, if I have a tuner that will handle it. Now, let me steer y'all away if you uh, have a Yezu, which I re- recently purchased one. I was a Kenwood man for years and years, and recently purchased a Yezu, uh, I think it's a FT897. Do stay away from the Yezu tuners. <laughs> I purchased a F2, FP-30 with it, a FP-30 tuner, which is the tuner that is made for that particular radio. And it would tune a resonant antenna to save its life. Uh, I'm really not sure what I'm going to use it for other than a paperweight. I had to go purchase an aftermarket tuner, which could handle the G5RV. Go figure. I've been running manual tuners for years, so this is my first uh, exploration into auto tuners. Okay. So, uh, I'm currently running a G5 RV. I've had pretty good success with it. I worked New Caledonia on PSK31 with it. I've worked into Luxembourg on Ridi with it. Uh, It's really been doing me a good job. And for those of you who do not know what a G5 RV is, go do a little research out on the web. And at some point, we may uh, dig into that a little further. Basically, it's a non-resonant antenna, which uses another principle which, principle, which when I got licensed, we were told was very, very bad practice. It has a piece of twin lead on it, which it, on some bands acts as part of the radiator. But anyway, that's another option for you guys to get on the air, the G5 RV, because they are inexpensive as opposed to some of the other, some of the big commercially made aluminum antennas. Uh, You can get them from $40 to $75. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen one that was over $100. And uh, that right there is a great way to start. I'll tell you right now. You can work the world on a wire and 100 watts. Don't let anybody tell you you can't because I have done it. I have worked many, many places on my wire antennas over the years. In fact, I run primarily wire antennas. In fact, um, I've had a couple of commercially made antennas. Didn't really care for them. They were vertical antennas, so they were really noisy. And... You know, you find out that uh, people, their groups, it's just like anything else. If you find something you like, you tend to stick with it. Okay, so let's move on to consider space considerations. Okay, you're in one of these houses that you've made the mistake of letting somebody tell you what you can do on your property. And you have to put it in the attic, or you have to keep it down below the tree line, or uh, that kind of thing. Well, let me tell you. Um, as far as that goes, then you're probably going to have to make smaller antennas and look to improve your uh, situation on the hearing end of it. And there's a lot of tools out there to do that with. Uh, some people are on these zero what do they call them? Zero clearance lots, zero line lots. I don't know what they are. Uh, all I do know is it looks like the houses are buttoning up against each other. Uh, some people, some of the guys I know are on these lots and they say, I could never put up a 75 meter antenna. Well, sure you can. It's, it's just a matter of do you want to. Uh, there are guys out there that use magnet wire to build dipoles out of. And at a distance, they're virtually invisible. Uh, you have to make sure that you don't run too much power on them. But then again, you know you got, you guys out there working at PSK-31, it doesn't take a lot of power. So, uh, my yard, the yard around my house, is probably about 100 feet deep by 60 feet wide. It might not, might not be exactly 60 feet wide, but it's kind of close. So, if I, I can take a 30-foot push-up pole that I picked up at the local home improvement center, put it up behind the house using uh, an antenna mass mount, and string my dipoles off that pole. And by doing that and drawing them back to the corners of the backyard... I've got a 75 meter antenna in there. In fact, that's uh, pretty much the way my G5RV is set up right now because I have the uh, real 102-foot G5RV, not one of these uh, G5RV juniors that will only go down to 40 meters. And it works perfectly well. My dipole is not completely vertical down the line of the pole. It leans a little. And... It still works extremely well. Uh, My 75-meter antenna was stretched out the same way. And at that time, I had a 75-meter coming off that was tied off in the backyard. And I had a 40-meter dipole that was uh, tied to some of the trees on either end of the house. So it's a matter of getting it in the air and seeing what you can do with it. Now, uh let me say a word about balance. You need at some point to start building your antennas with balance uh They do help. There have been occasions when I've had to use uh balance and but for the most part uh I really haven't had a problem that I couldn't cure with eight or ten turns but eight or ten eight inch turns of the coax right before it went into the antenna. So balance yes are a consideration. Uh, station grounding, you need to make sure the station is grounded. Uh, that will definitely save you heartbreak in the long run. So we've talked about a bare bones dipole. We've talked about getting them in there. We've talked about how to figure the length. But let me tell y'all this right now at my station, and I will be in the winter months because it gets kind of warm to do antenna work in the summer months around here, but in the uh, fall and winter months, it will be antenna construction and maintenance time here at the beautiful Bailey Thornhill building, high top, uh, a hill overlooking beautiful downtown Balt Springs. And we will be doing uh, more antenna work to get things in the air. Uh, 10 meter, uh, you know, I told y'all I haven't used a lot of vertical antennas. I do have a 10 meter Ringo Ranger, and since it's a cycle can't get any worse, which means it's got to come up, I'm going to put my 10 meter vertical back up. Okay, so at this time, I am running a G5RV. On the 30-foot push-up pole, legs run to the back of the yard. Down on the end of the house, I have a 20-meter dipole, specifically cut for 20 meters. And it's up about 20 feet. And, uh, well, just to tell you, it's a minimalist antenna. It's a piece of coax with two wires soldered to it better cut to... Uh, 468 divided by the frequency minus 5% it's in the air it's stretched out at about 110 degrees and it is made out of speaker wire you got it, speaker wire and I have worked down into South America on it into the Atlantic, out into the Pacific and it just, it works like a hose I'm telling you and I needed a 20 meter antenna for the Saturn Nets, is why I built it, and had it construction time, installation time, and getting on the air with it from start to finish was about two hours. So, the underrated dipole. I believe I've touched on every point that uh, I intended on getting to. There may be some that I missed, You can find some wonderful construction materials at some of the online ham radio stores. uh, Universal Radio. uh, uh, I don't want to say Texas Towers because if I say Texas Towers, then I'm going to have to charge them for a commercial. Uh, Ham Radio Outlet. Universal Radio. uh, You know, some of the ham suppliers... You know, most of the online ham uh, stores, if you can buy a radio from them, you can buy parts for a dipole from them. Uh, even Buck's comp. Buck Buck out there, uh, he's got some uh, pretty good balance going on. And there's lots of information out there on the web to build your own. If you go out on the web and type dipole or dipole antenna, I guarantee you, you will have plenty of reading to keep you busy for some time. Okay. If y'all have any questions on this, uh, y'all send me an email at kb5jbv at gmail.com. And for you old timers that uh, are sitting there shaking your head, if uh, you find that I am in error in any of the stuff that I've said, then you go ahead and send me an email too because I want to hear your input and the next time I talk about dipole antennas, I can add that information. Let me leave you with one final tidbit. Uh, I really like to know who in radio over the years have been involved with stuff, and in my research, I did find that, uh, of all people, Heinrich Hertz, uh, invented the dipole antenna, and, uh, for those of you who don't know Heinrich Hertz, he's the uh, he's the guy that uh, used to have his name on everybody's radio. At this point in time, he's only abbreviated. Yes, friends, uh, he, he is the one that there are thousands of and millions of on your radio. Uh, of course, you'd know him as kilohertz or megahertz. So, with that... I think we've pretty much covered as much as we can for dipole antennas in this particular session. And thank you all for bearing with me as I stumble through this. And I really think it's probably about time to move on to the next (laughs) session.
2: Only you can save me now from this misery. I've been locked up way too long in this crazy world. How far is heaven? Wow just keep on playing low.
0: thinking after the last episode of a couple more things concerning wire antennas and I figured that we could probably proceed on with that for uh, at least one more segment. So uh, last week we talked about balance, the use of balance, uh, building dipoles that will work, maybe not the greatest, but uh, to get something in the air easily and quickly because most folks out there, they spend so much time trying, trying to get things perfect that a lot of times they never get on the bands they want to get on. I know that I was licensed for uh, probably nearly probably nearly 10 years before I ever keyed up a radio on 75 meters. Uh, houses I lived in were easy enough to put a 40-meter dipole up 20 meter dipoles, 15 meter dipoles, and our old favorite, the 10 meter dipole. However, 75 is, was problematic because I had not attempted to think outside the box. So, there are ways to hang those longer antennas. G- G5 RV is 102 feet wa- long, a standard G5 RV, and a 75 meter dipole is a little bit longer than that so sometimes you have to get a little creative some cases uh, that I've seen some cases I've seen that the dipole really couldn't be visible you know it's not like you can put a 75 meter dipole in your attic unless of course it's loaded and that's subject loading coils and traps are subject for a different episode for sure but you're not likely to be able to put a 75-meter dipole in your attic unless you have an extremely large house. So you have to make some kind of compromises. You get them up on a pole about 30, well, here. Uh, When I had a 75-meter dipole up, it was on top of a 30-foot pole, and the legs were stretched out across the yard where the actual inverted V was tipped. At an angle, which you would think would make a difference, but it really doesn't. You know, they talk about that perfect height and everything. That's so that you uh, radiate energy broadside to the antenna and all that good business. But when you're working with constraints, you have to do things a little differently. So, in the case of a limited size yard, you can take a dipole and lean it and have the pole have your support at one point where the feed point is have the legs stretched out across the yard whatever direction you can go and get those legs hung out that direction also I have heard of people taking the elements and folding the ends in folding the ends out Hanging them in, hanging the legs in a like a Z shape, and they all work. Uh, you have to. It is important to keep them away from metal. Don't have them up against something that's metal. Use some kind of insulator. Glass is always best. Ceramic is always really good. Uh, there are some really good uh, plastic insulators out there. Uh, I heard something recently that uh, if you, well, it may have been in that email I read a while ago. Uh, If you take an insulator and you put it in a microwave and turn that microwave on for a few seconds, if you take that insulator out and it's not hot to the touch, then it's going to be a good insulator. I've been known to use electric fence wire insulators in a pinch, mainly because the uh, tractor supply... Is closer to my house than the ham radio store. Of course, I don't really use the one here, Texas Towers. I, They're just not friendly. If it's not an order online, they really don't want to have a whole lot to do with you. However, uh, all my stuff, I when I order antenna supplies, radio, stuff like that, I order them out of Universal Radio, and they have a really good line of insulators. But, you can use just about anything as long as it's not electrically conductive to stand off these wires. So, as far as hanging the dipoles, it's not any more crucial the way you hang them than it is the way you put them together. Now, I know I'm going to get some emails on that statement, but that's okay. The point is, for the new guys, get some wire in the air. You cannot work the stations if you can't key the radio, and you can't key the radio without an antenna. Okay, let me touch on something else really quick. Magnet wire. For low-power operation, and that means uh, you're not going to want to run a whole... You might be able to get away with 100 watts. I don't know. I've never actually... Worked magnet wire at more than about 10 or 15 watts. Experiment. That's how I learn the things I learn. And that's one of the reasons for being in the hobby, is so we can experiment. So use the magnet wire and make your dipoles out of that. If you have to, if you're in a place where you don't want it to be seen, it makes really good, uh, a really good low profile antenna, meaning that it's not easy to see or at least some light gauge, non-insulated, anything you can do to camouflage. Okay. So, once again, we've touched on the dipoles. The hanging's not crucial. We know the balance not crucial. (coughs) Oh, yeah, tuning. I didn't touch on tuning last week. For those of y'all that uh, you're thinking about putting up your first dipole antenna, make sure that you cut it just a little bit long. And once you put it up, use a antenna analyzer, MFJ antenna analyzer, if you can find one. Or use an SWR meter that will, or a uh, power meter that will do SWR and better, even better, uh, has a setting where you can flip switch and get reflected power. I myself have found on these dipoles that I get better power out at 1.5 to 1 than I do at 1 to 1. And I'm sure some of you guys listening out there may be able to confirm that. But if you cut it a little bit long, then you can go in, key the radio, see where it's resonant, and then uh, go back out and make adjustments. You know. Trim it down a little bit at a time. Lower in frequency you go, the bigger chunk, bigger the chunks you can trim at. You know, I've taken as much as three inches at a time off a of dipole down on uh, 40 or 75. But when you're building a dipole for 10 meters, you probably only want to cut about an inch at a time, even less, so that you can get it centered up. Once you get the antenna hung, you're going to have to tune it a little bit. Um, unless you're in, and even if you're in perfect, in a perfect installation, you're still going to have to tune it a little bit. You're going to have to make some kind of adjustments to get it where it needs to be. Tuner, tuner is something you use after the fact. Once you've done the best job that you possibly can to get that, uh, dipole tuned, then you put the tuner in line. And that can make up for any deficiencies, anything that you can't take care of. So, you get out there and you trim those antennas. Real quick, let me head off the question because some of you may not have been instructed by your Elmers in the fact that uh, the higher in frequency you go, the shorter the antenna is. The lower in frequency you go, the longer the antenna is or the longer a quarter wave like is and what you need to consider is that if you're resonant down way down at the bottom of the band but you can't work the top of the band then you need to shorten the antenna if you're resonant up at the top of the band but you are not re- you can't get a good reading down at the bottom of the band that antenna is too short The next question that would come up in my mind is, do I have to scrap the whole antenna? Well, dipoles are wonderful in the fact that you can add pieces of wire to them. Uh, Used to, we soldered them together. We'd take a piece of wire and solder it on the end, cover it up real good, and then start tuning again. There are other ways. I, in the past, have made jumpers with uh, alligator clips for temporary installations and took the jumpers and clipped them to the end, the uninsulated end yeah, the uninsulated end of the antenna and then trimmed the jumpers until they were right. And even better nowadays we have Anderson power poles which some of you guys I'm sure y'all went out and got and if you haven't it's probably a good idea because a lot of the RACES organizations are going to those as standard connectors. Used to be Jones plugs, and nowadays it's Anderson Power Poles, which I really appreciate the Power Poles. I don't have them on everything, but uh, they are really useful. Anyway, I have drifted off subject again. So you can take the Power Poles and put it on the end of the antenna and plug the jumper in. You can use alligator clips clip them on. You can get out there with your soldering iron, solder a piece of wire onto the end. Uh, You don't have to scrap the whole antenna if it's just a little bit short. Okay. I think I've pretty much said everything I can about dipoles at this point. At some point, we're going to come back and uh, talk about more exotic antennas like folded dipoles, rhombics, um, that kind of stuff. And even probably get into loading coils and traps and uh, tuning networks. There's stuff we can get into. Let me move on though. I want to move on to the fan dipole. This past uh, this past week, yeah, past week, week and a half. One of the local hams, one of the members of our local club. Went ahead and put up his first wire antenna. George Rice, he, uh KC-5 TOO, recently generaled. And now he's wanting to get on HF. And I'm really happy for him. He's got him a good radio. And they got out there and hung him a fan dipole. Now, a fan dipole or a multiband dipole is basically that. It's a dipole antenna that has multiple legs for different bands. Now, I have never used one, but I have known a few hams that have and was partially involved in setting them up. What your ba- what the fan dipole basically consists of is you probably really need to get a ballon on this antenna. And depending on what bands you want to operate, you cut two pieces of wire for each band. So there's lots of combinations. There could be. We're going to keep it uh, simple at this point with 75, 40, and 20 meters. Okay? So you measure out your half-wave dipole for 75, cut it in the middle like we did the last time, measure out your wire for the 40-meter dipole, cut it in the middle like we did last time, Measure out your 20 and cut it in the middle like we did last time. Okay. Attach the legs just like you would. You want to attach three of each, or uh, you want to attach one of each, all three of them together. So on one side you have a a 20, a 40, and a 75, and on the other side you have a 20, a 40, and a 75. Get them attached. Get them soldered. Get them... uh, Some of you guys will probably crimp them, which is okay short term. But I've even seen guys that have used, once again, Anderson Power Poles to plug their elements in. But you do need a ballon. So attach them to this ballon and get them up in there. Run the, da- run the ballon up to the top of your support structure, whether it's a tower, a pole, a tree, whatever you may want to use. Okay, at this point, then you need to spread the legs out. You don't want them really together, or you want them as far apart as possible at this point. Some people will go ahead and hang them, like one on top of the other. That way they're only, they only have to have two places to time off, one on each side. I've heard of this working, and their 20 meter antenna would end up being an actual dipole. The 40 meter antenna would hang about halfway, and then the lowest one would be the 75, and they would all be in a line attached to one structure. I myself, if I was going to run one, would go ahead and try and find out, find six different tie-off points so that I could hang them all in an inverted V fashion. But that's personal preference. It's my understanding it does work the other way, and you do get a little bit of a ground uh, grounding effect or counterpoise effect. Well, not counterpoise, grounding effect from the elements underneath on the higher bands. I don't know, but once you get them up and tie it off where you want them, then you have to tune the thing. Now, we have always, in the past, I've never had an antenna analyzer, I've always had to use a use a watt meter that uh, would show watts, reflected power, watts forward, and uh, SWR, but in this case we started on the lowest band we wanted to operate which would be the 75 meter portion of the dipole trim it, tune it, trim it, tune it until we got it where we wanted it then we would move to the 40 meter portion and follow the same procedure then we would move to the 20 meter portion and do the same thing again Now, it's my understanding that if you do it from the top down, 20 meters, then 40 meters, then 75 meters, you're going to end up with it way too short somewhere, and then you're going to run into problems. Then we have to go fix it. So my suggestion would be start with the longest element, trim it, get it adjusted, you know, dipole antennas are not for the faint of heart you have to put a little work into them they work really well but you have to put a little work into them to get them where they need to be i have run uh at one point i ran one dipole well my zip cord antenna which i've told you all about in the last episode my zip cord antenna hung over this house for five years And I never, for a minute, had one problem with it. Rain, ice, we don't have snow down here, guys. Ice storms, wind, whatever. Because I put it up, I built it properly. I built it to be tough initially because it was an emergency antenna. But I put it up, I made sure it was tuned up properly. I had it attached good feed points with good insulators on it and it hung over my house for five years and I will guarantee you the insulation on zip cord is not designed for that and the wire that's in the zip cord uh, ha- has a tendency, some people have told me it has a tendency to stretch that was not my experience but that antenna was a fantastic antenna And the only reason I took it down is because it was starting to look like Marconi's station around here with a 75, a 40, 220s, uh, and then all the little vertical antennas sticking up that I have to have around here for VHF and UHF. So the fan dipole, like anything else, is going to take a little work. Okay, before we finish this segment we're going to talk a minute about long wire now some people some people call anything any antenna that's made out of wire a long wire antenna well what we're talking about here or the way I what I consider a long wire is a a random length long wire antenna is the long term for it Random length long wire antenna. Well, the random length is not exactly random, and we'll get to that in a minute. First of all, if you're going to try and run a random length long wire antenna, the first thing you have to have is either an automatic tuner that will handle that or a manual tuner. And the reason I say that is because the manual tuners, every one that I've ever seen is set up where you can run a random link long wire. So having that is the first thing. The uh, auto tuner on my Yezu 897 is, you can do it, it's kind of a pain. Now the auto tuner on my Icom 735 is set up for that. In fact, it has a separate port on the back of it for a random wire. I have two Dentron uh, manual tuners, two Dentron manual tuners, and both of those have lugs on the back of them for random antenna. If you decide to run a long wire, the first and most important thing that you're gonna to have to have running a long wire antenna random length long wire antenna is to have a have your station grounded very well. You've got to be attached to a good ground. Now in the case of home dwellers, that's not real hard. You can go out and drive a ground ride in the yard. Uh, get hooked up to it, and you're good to go. In fact, the more ground rods, the better. You might even want to run a radial or two off of that ground rod. The best ground you can possibly get is what you want. Then you want to run that into the radio if your tuner is attached to the radio and doesn't have any kind of, uh, grounding port on it. Uh, like I said, on this 897, I've got the, uh, the antenna tuner that goes to it is attached to the radio just slides on the side of the radio and bolts down so there's not a separate ground for the tuner so if I was going to try and use that tuner for a random length long wire antenna I would have to plug the antenna into the tuner or the wire into the tuner, normally using a PL-259, just go ahead and solder the end of the wire into the connector. And then I would have to depend on the grounding in the radio to get any stray RF out of the the way. On the manual tuners I have here, I can attach those to the ground wire directly. And even on that ICOM auto tuner for my ICOM seven thirty five, it has a separate ground lug and random wire antenna lug. So now you've got your tuner, you figured out, you know, what you're gonna to need to do where it's concerned, then you want to string some wire. Well, once again, this is another one of those applications where the wire can be just about any gauge wire you want to work with. And once again, you apartment dwellers, y'all might want to consider magnet wire if you keep your power levels at a reasonable uh, reasonable volume. <laughs> and I myself have done done everything from speaker wire to number 12 enamel coated UV protected wire. I haven't used random wires a lot, but almost every station I've had I at some point I had to set one up. Uh, Around here, I the last time I set one up was because my favorite worked all states net has a one hundred and sixty meter net and I wanted to get down there and work a few states. So you take your wire. The thing about a random length uh, long wire antenna is the fact that the length it can be random, but... And the but is that it needs to be at the very least a quarter wavelength on the lowest band that you want to use it on. In fact, I think I had a hundred and something... 130 some odd feet of wire strung out across the yard for the last one I put up. The second thing is you don't have to get crazy about getting it way up in the air. Anytime I've run one, I've had it up in the air as far as I can reach over my head. And that is about nine, nine and a half feet. The last installation I had, it ran out the radio room window, up a 20-foot pole, across to a 20-foot uh, support I had for one of my dipole antennas, about 15 feet away. Then I ran it down the fence line of the backyard uh, from that support to a tree in the backyard, once again about 9.5 nine feet in there, and then down the back fence line to another tree. In a previous installation, I had it run up to the top of a uh, 50-foot push-up pole. Back to the far back corner of my yard. And then down the fence line. And then back up over the eave of the house. So, the good thing about these antennas is they are versatile. And a lot of guys uh, use those out in the field for MVIS work. So... You've got it up in the air. Well, let's start from the beginning. You've got your tuner well grounded. You've got your piece of wire firmly attached to your tuner by a connector or a lug on the back of the tuner. Then you've taken it out and you've put it up in the air and attached it. Well, for you new guys, y'all listen. You don't have to get crazy about attaching stuff. Wire ties are... Nylon wire ties are one of the greatest things that ever happened. You can zip tie these guys just any old wire. You don't want to zip tie it to any metal unless you have to, but sometimes that's unavoidable, and try and get as much space between that metal and the antenna as possible. Run, the, uh, run your wire out across your yard. For you guys that don't have people telling you what you can do on your property, uh, you can put up a good thick piece of wire, and that's going to put you in a better position when it comes time to work those lower bands. There is activity on the 160-meter band. Don't let anybody fool you. There's plenty of activity down there. Some of it's CW, some of it's voice. It's not a very wide band, but there is thing there are people to talk to down there. So I hope that this particular segment has helped y'all out. Uh, we are still working on other things. And when I get some time, I'm going to sit down and read through my antenna books one, once again. And we'll talk about some other things. You know, one of the things I've always wanted to do and did over at one of my friends' house was uh, is load a push-up pole. Uh, over at his house, we actually loaded a 50 foot push up pole so that he had a low profile antenna if that makes any sense but we loaded it up he could operate all the way down into the 75 meter band with it and he lived in a neighborhood that had covenants and deed restrictions and nobody ever said a word to him because we were able to accomplish that so I hope this has helped. Like I said, I'll go through my book and we'll dig out some more antenna information. We'll, uh, at some point, try and talk about loading coils and traps and stubs and all these other things. Because I know you uh, new generals and the new extras that have come up from the tech. Y'all are probably needing some guidance. For you old-timers, if y'all think I'm uh, incorrect in anything that I've said in this particular segment, y'all don't be afraid to send me an email because if I am mistaken from uh, what your experience has been, then I'd like to hear about that. When I'm talking about wire antennas, I draw heavily from my own experience once again because... Wire antennas, I've I've used a few commercially made antennas for HF, but I always go back to the wire because it's always been really good to me. Okay. One more thing before we go. Um, One more antenna I want to go ahead and throw in on this one because I feel that it's important, and I always had a a lot of success with them. For you guys that have the room, for you guys that have the room, and uh, there's an antenna out, well, loop antennas, wire loop. Uh, the ones that I've run in the past have normally been in a triangular configuration, which was called a delta loop. And they were really good also for what I used them for at the time. Now, I'm not going to get too heavily into this, but try this experiment. We'll we'll probably try and do a segment at some point on loop antennas, a lot the specifically loop antennas. But at this point, you guys, you go out, find your piece of wire, measure it out at 1005 divided by the frequency of megahertz, 1005. If you lose that, it's the same measurement as the driven element on a quad antenna. Okay, measure measure that out. Uh, Go find yourself a piece piece of coaxial cable, 75 ohms, and then cut it to a quarter length times the velocity factor. If you don't know what the velocity factor is, ask somebody. Uh, A lot of times on most of the easy-to-get coax, it's 0.66. So uh, quarter wave, which would be one quarter of 1,005 divided by the frequency in megahertz times the velocity factor times 0.66, and then you have, uh, it's a pretty rudimentary balance. And then you attach that to the two sides of the antenna, put a connector on the other end, and plug it up. Loop antenna by itself, just a loop, just a wire loop, is rough, supposed to be roughly 100 ohms. Now, take it up, put it in the air, and if you feed it from one of the uh, horizontal sections, It will be horizontal. If you feed it from one of the vertical sections, it will be vertical. And I would suggest everybody build one of these at least once so you can hear the difference. They are so quiet. Once again, uh, I ran one of these. The first one I ran was on that band we don't talk about. And... I guarantee you, I could talk from my home in Grand Prairie, Texas, which is about halfway between Dallas and Fort Worth, that's where I lived at the time, all the way to Cedar Creek Lake, which is about 70 miles, 75 miles from that location, Ground Wave. They are that quiet. So, y'all go out and try and and give one of these loops a try. Uh, That's another thing we'll probably get further into at some point we'll have to do loop antennas and quads that kind of stuff alright, I think that's it I hope I don't think of anything else and we're going to go ahead and move on to the next segment what about hidden or low-profile antennas? Uh, Stealth antennas is what they call them nowadays. So uh, I spent some time considering and thinking about it. And to tell you the truth, they haven't changed a whole heck of a lot since I got licensed. What has changed is nowadays people uh, allow other people to tell them what they can do with their property. I never have quite understood that because there's no place that I need to live uh, badly enough that I would give up my rights to live live, to do what I want to on my property however there are people who dwell in apartments and I've had to deal with those challenges also Uh, I did in my younger years rent one or two houses where I had to be careful what I did radio wise also so Let's start at the very basic, basic end of it. Um, when I first got on the air, all I had was a 2-meter handheld. In fact, my father uh, used it to bribe me to take my technician license because I really wasn't interested in VHF and UHF. You know, I got my license because I wanted to talk on HF, uh, most specifically 10 meters. Uh, having come from that other service we don't talk about, uh, it just uh, impressed me no end the places you could talk to on very little power on 10 meters, so I was captivated by that. But my father used a 2 meter handheld, a, uh, uh, what was it? ICOM 209RH, which was absolutely beautiful. And I decided I had to have it, so I went and studied and took my tech test. Well, only having a 5-watt handy talking and needing to get over the the hurdles of being a new ham and not having any antennas and not a whole lot of money to buy any, I started out very simple Uh, inside the rental house that I lived in at the time. Um uh, I took a metal TV tray and stuck a quarter wave antenna to it and used that for uh, several months and was able to connect or talk to uh, the majority of the people around the county. In fact, uh, there was probably one or two repeaters I could not hit. That was the very basic, end of it when I first got started uh, it was very similar when I got started on packet a year or so later except for in that case instead of a metal TV tray in the living room I used a metal trash can out in the yard so <clears throat> the challenges people run across today and I'm sorry about that all this stuff y'all uh, uh, clearing my throat Um uh, I spent some time in East Texas this last week, and the Pine Forest just does not agree with me. Anyway, moving on up the scale, uh, yes, I've lived in places where they didn't want me to put poles up, attach anything to the house, and that kind of stuff. But more than anything else, apartments. Apartments are a real challenge. Now, amateur radio operators being inventive fellows that they are, I have seen everything out there from um, HF antennas made out of hummingbird feeders and flower pots. Um, One guy out there used a clothes hanger and a lot of dark colored wire and uh, uh, ladder line because it blended in real well with the background, so you had to be right up on it to be able to see it. Uh, But as far as apartments, I overcame my difficulties in the apartments by uh, I had a piece of angle aluminum that I went and took a quarter wavelength mobile antenna stinger and mounted it to an NMO mount on this piece of angle aluminum and nailed it to the wooden rail out on my apartment balcony. I was living on the second, second floor at the time and then running the cable inside to the house. Luckily, we were up on a ridge, and Dallas has a couple of ridges that pretty much surround it, and I was up on top of the ridge on the north side, so I could see from my apartment window out past downtown Dallas, out into far south Dallas, so my coverage was extremely good. In that same apartment, uh, I didn't have the facilities because it, the the uh, front of the apartment faced out towards the manager's office and out towards the parking lot to be able to uh, sneak anything out there so uh, on 10 meters and at the time I was doing this kind of stuff I actually mounted a dipole in a an L shape on the wall of my bedroom and was able to work the FM repeaters without any problem at all the one down in Austin, the one's up in uh, new jersey some of the ones out in the bahamas and that kind of stuff and uh, was even to make a few reasonable uh, sideband contacts further down the band uh... luckily the person i lived in this apartment with was fairly understanding because i also had a twenty meter dipole antenna that one tip of it stretched from the corner of the bedroom uh, all the way to the other end which reached the corner of the dining room and luckily the feed line fell right at the bedroom door so I could run it up the bedroom door now innovation is the key on this kind of thing because uh, there are covenants and tenants associations and deed restrictions and all this other stuff uh, I worked with one fellow that we went over to his house dug a hole in the ground, went and found a glass Coke bottle and filled it up with sand and set a 50 foot push up pole on top of it with a little American flag on top. He could not have an antenna but he could have a flagpole A 50 foot flagpole with uh, probably a 1 foot long US flag on it. At this point we drove ground wire in the ground and uh, took a good piece of coax and attached the center to the pole and uh, the braid to the, uh, the ground rod, and he was able to work quite a few countries on this thing because it just about came out to a quarter-wavelength antenna on 40 meters. He could get it tuned down on 75 with pretty good results also. He was having to use a tuner with this, and um, I have read in several of the books, manuals that I have over here, that you, it's pretty easy to fashion a loading coil or a matching network to attach to these poles to bring them into resonance on the bands that you want to use. So, there's a couple ideas right there. Uh, let me tell you about the dipole in the apartment. I was able to work 23 countries on Amtor. In about six or 23 states, I'm sorry, 23 states on AMTOR in probably about six months using that setup and only working HF in the middle of the night, so that uh, I didn't tear up channel 47 on the cable hookup we had in that building. Okay, and as far as outside, there's lots of ways. Like I said, I've seen uh, antennas made out of hummingbird feeders. Just all sorts of stuff. And it's about the way it looks. If it doesn't look like your standard antenna, then the neighbors probably aren't going to be bright enough to figure it out. Um, The gentleman with the dark colored wire and stuff, I I believe that's one of the reasons I don't catch any flack from my neighbors, even though I would tell them uh, to... uh, uh, I would hand them a quarter and tell them to go make a phone call. But... The fact that I don't get any flack off of them is uh, probably due to the fact that currently I have minimized my antenna installations here at uh, resonant frequency. And the one I have in there right now is G5RV, which is made out of dark colored wire and uh, the feed lines are dark colored and that kind of stuff. So for more than 50 feet away, it looks like there's just a pole sticking up behind the house. Uh, Someday I'll put all the dipoles up. At one time I had a dipole up for every band I worked. And uh, it made the wife crazy, but the neighbors didn't grab. Anyway, so I digress. So as far as out in the yard is concerned, lower is better. Uh, Hidden is better. I've been with guys, I've known guys that have loaded up chain-link fences, made sure that uh, all the connections on the fences were good, and used a tuner and loaded their chain-link fences. I've even run 160 meters off a long wire that was only about 7 feet off the ground, attached to the trees around the yard. So, there's some possible ideas for, for outside uh, even with NVIS, I know one guy that runs uh, an NVIS-style antenna, and when he has it set up, it's only about a foot off the ground. Really high radiation angle, not much of a DX antenna, but if you're looking to work close in, that's an option also. So... What if you got these things and your neighbors are watching and you you got your radios and you want to talk on them, but you really can't get anything outside? Well, okay. You're in a house. The house is yours. The uh, neighbors don't know what's going on inside the house. The best option and the most popular option has been to take a dipole antenna and put it up in your attic. Now, an attic being pretty much wood and as far as I know asphalt's not that reactive to uh, HF radio frequencies uh, I've heard of people getting really good results by attaching a dipole to the uh, joists in the roof now <clears throat> some people say my roof's not long enough or uh, how am I going to do that you know Depending on the size of your house, you can get a 20 meter, a, a 40 meter, or 75 meter antenna in your attic. And in some cases, if you can get a bigger antenna in your attic, then you actually have attic four. Now, you have to be careful of wiring because wiring does cause a little bit of distortion on your signal, or it distorts the signal. It doesn't make the signal distorted audibly Uh, what I mean is that the signal bouncing off the wires is going to head off in a different direction you may run into situations where you have a piece of wire in your attic which is the same is a quarter wavelength on whatever band you're operating I used to have that problem with the telephones here until I made some adjustments and now it's not a big issue But something else that uh, they neglect to tell you about the dipole antenna is those legs do not have to be absolutely straight. So if you have to kink them around a little bit, you know, 90 degree here, maybe another 90 degree there, that kind of stuff, just to get them to fit long ways uh, doesn't really hurt them that much. And you may have to trim a little extra or add a little extra to the end of the antenna to get it to be resonant at the frequency you're looking for, but it uh, can work that way. So if you're, so the dipole antenna, it's a really good option. Now, if you're wanting more, if you're more innovative, more inventive, and you have the time to do it, there are other ways. Um, AEA and MFJ used to put out, and I think MFJ may still put it out, a loop antenna which was designed for mobile operation, mobile HF operation. It's a horizontal loop antenna, and uh, it's good from 20 meters. Well, the AEA, I believe, was 20, 15, and 10. The uh, MFJ, I believe, is 30, 20, 15, and 10. And you can take one of those and mount them in your attic. You know, once they're up there, you're you're pretty much ready to go. They're going to work as well as they would in mobile operations for the most part. You might have a little difficulty getting out when it's raining outside, but you probably don't want to be transmitting then anyway. Or you can take that same dipole antenna and build some loads for it. Or... Yeah, I built some loads for it. I was going to say traps, but only traps if you're looking to make a multiband antenna. now I've seen J-poles mounted in the attic. That's another option for you VHF UHF guys. If you have enough room, uh, you can mount those J-poles, you know, take a couple of take a couple of conduit clamps and mount them to ceiling joist, and uh, you're good to go. You know, there's not going to be any great options by using the attic, but it'll keep your neighbors off of you for the most part. Uh, I've seen people also in cases where they needed to uh, do a stealthy antenna installation to go out and solder their metal gutters together and use their metal gutters as radiators. You know, a lot of the stuff we're talking about here is going to depend on you having some sort of matching network in line. Now, for the new guys, matching network, for the most part, is probably going to mean an antenna tuner, which is a misnomer, and we'll talk about that in a different episode. But the automatic antenna tuners, in my opinion, are not as good for doing this kind of stuff as a manual antenna tuner. I like to be able to dial it in where I want it because every automatic antenna tuner I've ever had has brought them down to to 1 to 1 and that was the only place they were going to tune them down to and there you go. But in most cases, you find that 1.5 to 1 is better. Well, I digress again. Back to hidden antennas. So you, you don't have the option of... Uh, doing some of the other things that we've described so far. If you don't have those options. You know, just about any kind of pole in the backyard is going to work as an antenna. And yeah, they may be shorter, but you know, there are guys out there working 75 mobile on an antenna that's not before or 5 feet long. So, yeah, you can do it at the very least as good a job as they are. So, we, we've examined some of these things. So, let's progress a little further in the hidden antenna thing. Um, one of the biggest misnomers or one of the biggest things that's misunderstood by amateur radio operators and a lot of it's because of the excessive amount of powers at one time that people had to use to, to make contacts on HF is the fact that you do not have to have your wire antennas made out of number 12 stranded wire or number 10 stranded wire. And you know, if you're running 3 kilowatts or 5 kilowatts, I can see that for your own safety. But lower power levels, which most of us are running lower power levels, when most of us don't have an amplifier, that's a piece of equipment that uh, we haven't acquired yet. I myself don't use them. I can only think of one situation where I thought I needed one and I was able to do what I needed to do anyway. That was back during Katrina. On lower power levels, you can use smaller diameter wire. Now the advantage of being able to use smaller diameter wire is that at more than a few feet smaller diameter wire is not really noticeable and the only reason I bring this up is because I did know an amateur radio operator who has since moved up north that lived in some apartments over here in Dallas and even though there was not a back door to his apartment there were windows that faced the rear of the building the rear of the building faced a wood fence which had shrubs up against it, shrubbery. And what he did was, he went down to his local Radio Shack and purchased some magnet wire, copper magnet wire, and built himself a fairly long, hundred and some odd feet. I remember, or I believe, to remember, I think I remember it was about a hundred and some odd feet, and he fastened it to the side of the building up above head height up about six and a half seven feet run it across to the bushes and then ran it down the fence line along the bushes and he operated for almost two years that way until he ended up moving out of those apartments now we can go ahead and gauge what he was able to do by somebody who's got a hot rod station or we can gauge it by what a average ham does and as far as an ham, average ham radio operator making contacts, he was right on in there he worked several DXCC countries, he worked all states on a couple of bands uh, most contests he was in there fighting with the rest of them and uh He was just doing a great job with this little old dinky wire that the extra classes back 20 years ago would have told you wasn't going to work. Now, let me make this statement. As far as anything amateur related, I have always looked at it and said, okay, if I do such and such, it may not work. But it's not working now, so I don't have anything to lose. My suggestion would be, if you have a difficult antenna situation, take some time to assess it. Once you've taken a little time to assess it, start to think, how can you solve that? Some people are better at winding, uh, winding coils than other people are. Uh, Some people are better at working with wire than other people are. Some people are better at seeing how something can work as an antenna where other people can't. And a good example of that is I had a dipole. Um, I built it as an emergency deployment antenna. It was made out of two PL259s, a T-connector, and a barrel connector. And some zip cord, uh, lamp wire. And I was told that the lamp wire would never work. It's not good. It ain't going to hold up, whatever. Well, I had built it as an emergency deployment antenna anyway. It was a 40-meter dipole. When I got back on the air about six years ago, I didn't have any wire or anything available, and I found it in a box, and I put it up in the air, and I used it for three years. And the only reason I took it down is because I was simplifying my antenna situation. Instead of having two 20-meter dipoles, a 40, a 75, uh, two two 2-meter antennas and all this mess, I decided to pare down the number of antennas I had over my house. So I put up a G5 RV, which has been doing me a really good job. So, without knowing... Exactly what a particular situation is—it's hard for me to define. What would be a great antenna for, you know, keeping the neighbors happy? What I will say to you is: be inventive. If you've got a pretty good size attic, put you some dipoles up. You know, at the very least, uh, who is it? Yezu. Yaesu builds an antenna, which goes with uh, the FT-897, FT-857, that kind of stuff, which is an adjustable antenna. Uh, The coil adjusts for different bands. Uh, Screwdriver antennas. Bug catchers. Uh, You know, a lot of these mobile antennas can be pressed into service as... Uh, base antennas because you're just trying to get that signal out and you really don't want to hear more than you can talk to and you really don't want to talk to more than you can hear. So a dipole uh, a loaded whip just about any of this stuff can work to your advantage when trying to get on the air in an apartment, in a rent house, in a house that has covenants and restrictions and that kind of stuff. You know, I made the comment when I started this segment, I can't understand why somebody would. But, you know, a lot of the guys I know that have covenants and restrictions and that kind of stuff, thinking back on it now, uh, they moved into their houses several years before they ever became ham radio operators. So towers and poles would not have even been a consideration for them at the time. And uh, now they're looking for solutions. Now, I'm, I'm going to study up on this subject some more. Uh, I've spent some time studying on it in the last couple weeks. Uh, you know, the continuing saga of death, destruction, and lack of sleep is still going here at Resident Frequency. But I will go ahead and study up on it some more. And if I think I have enough information that will be helpful, I will sure enough make another segment on this because there are a lot of folks out there, the new hams most especially. I, I You guys, we want you all to get on there. Uh, I'm an advanced class radio officer, operator simply because I haven't had time to go retake the test I took to become an advanced class radio operator and uh, I've been in the hobby 20 years 19 years and I've seen a lot of stuff I've had to improvise, adapt and overcome in a lot of situations and I'll tell you right now coming from somebody like me we want you new guys to get on the air get out there, figure out ways to make it happen because uh it's not rocket science it's just amateur radio (laughs) and uh i'll finish this off with story that uh, a buddy of mine over here keeps telling me i keep bringing up andy wy5v he was uh, a guest on one of our early shows and he and i'll get talking about stealth antennas and hidden antennas and that kind of stuff and he gets to tell me uh Right up here about a, about a mile or so from where I live, there's an apartment complex. And when Andy and his wife first got married, they moved into that apartment complex. And uh, he was there a little while and started getting that HF itch and had to, had to figure out a way. Well, just so happened back behind him, there was a light pole in an empty field where the kids had pretty much built themselves a little baseball diamond so he went out there and he strung himself up a sloper and used one of the bases which was a big old big chunk of cement as the tie down for the end of his sloper and he would work hf out of this apartment and everything would be lovely until two situations happened uh one is swrs would start going uh or would go nuts when he sat down at the radio and he'd walk on out there and he would find that the children had moved the tie down for his antenna and he would move it back into place and go back in and operate. The other situation would be he would be operating and the SWR would start climbing and dropping climbing and dropping. And he would look out the window, and there would be a, a puppy dog out there close to, close to the base. And, well, it's a family show. Keep it clean. The uh, puppy dog was watering the base, and it was causing the SWRs to fluctuate. So as soon as it dried out, it would uh, be fine. But that's another one of those cases where amateur radios improvise and adapt and work towards solutions on these problems. Now, if any of you guys got any specific uh, questions concerning stealth or hidden antennas, please don't hesitate to <laughs> get
2: I'm gonna have some fun tonight. I'm gonna do everything, gonna make it out of sight. Will I throw on my suit, suit, Stacy Addams, too? Well, I throw on my suit, suit, Stacy Addams, too? I'll be swinging my silver chain, looking all oh so cool. Friday night, I'm gonna have some fun tonight. Well, it's Friday night, I'm gonna have some fun tonight. I'm gonna do everything, gonna make it out of sight. Well, I throw one, my suit, suit, stay, Seattle's too, y'all hear me?
0: Thank you very much. Well, there you go. Your uh, supersized, custom, retrospective, uh, resonant frequency, the amateur radio podcast. Like I said, I'll get you all a fresh one next time around. I figured uh, it's been a long time since I gave you all a two-hour show, so uh, hopefully this will make up for some of it, and you all won't be too angry with me. If you want to get in touch with me, get a hold of me at The Usual Suspects, uh, Twitter, Identica, Uh, We have a page on Facebook, or you can email me at kb5jbv at blacksparrowmedia.com. Don't forget to visit the website, drop a donation in the box, and help us on out. And uh, with that, I really can't think of a whole lot more for this time. Uh, I'm sorry that this thing's all choppy and clunky and noisy and everything else. I promise I will try to do better for episode 39. So uh, y'all get back with us in, and uh, until then, uh, y'all enjoy this cool weather we're having. Uh, see y'all later.